Welcome to the BCP and Me, a podcast that explores the Book of Common Prayer as a manual for living out our lives. My name is Father Tyler Richards, and I am joined here by Father Joshua Nelson as we continue our journey through the Book of Common Prayer. Good afternoon, Father. Good afternoon. How's everything over in Ohio? Everything's kind of busy over in Ohio. I, uh, this last week, made my official move. Everything is out of my apartment, finally, in Indiana, and stuffed into boxes and piled all around me in my, my new place in Gallup-Alais. So um, it's been a multi-month pro- uh, process, but I, I feel like I'm finally here. What is the what is the one random item that you are still looking for now that you've moved? Oh, one. <laughs> There's always one, right? Like, like where did I put the cheese grater? Or yeah, I find yeah. Opener. I don't think it's anything in the kitchen. Those were pretty well marked. It's probably some book <laughs> that I've been looking for like for the last few months and not realizing it was still in Indiana. Yeah, you were sort of in a tween space for a long time between I was, and Ohio. This, this liminal space. So yeah. I, I I now have my couch, which you know makes the world of difference. Well, one one must retire to their couch from time to time, and <laughs> no one can commute all the way to Indiana when you live in Ohio to retire to your couch. So. No, 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 no. Well, things here in in Wisconsin are. Uh, interesting as ever. Uh, my daughter, Emery, your, your adopted niece continues to acquire language at a blistering pace. This morning she was busy with her refrigerator magnets and I was standing there watching her and she turned around and she looked at me and with the most attitude she has given me thus far in her life, looked at me and said, what? As if to say, why are you watching me, dad? (laughs) And suddenly the rest of my life flashed before my eyes and I was like, oh, this is what I'm getting into. (laughs) So naturally, to avoid the uh, impending midlife crisis that I'm staring down the barrel of, I strapped on my running shoes and went for a run. Yeah, your your daughter is not a Southerner. She is not a Southerner. (laughs) She will never be a Southerner. God bless her. Her dialect is going to be so screwed up because her dad speaks Southern and her mother speaks Minnesotan that I I don't know. She's going to land somewhere in the middle and that could be anything from Indiana to Kentucky to who knows, one of the five states. I'll just keep recording books for her so she'll just have a Southern Ohio accent and then we'll be all good. I have to tell you, speaking of recorded books, the the good night prayer book that you recorded for her she she pulled it out and she hadn't looked at it in a while and the first time she opened it you started talking and it freaked her out <laughs> like she looked at the book and her eyes got as big as saucers and she said ah. <laughs> it went running out of the room and i was like that's funny but then about two days later, she started listening to it on repeat. But now yeah. she's turning the pages, which means that when she gets to a page that she likes, 
She knows that if she opens that page and then puts it back, it will just keep reading the same page. Yeah, yeah. Lucas does the exact same thing. She's good at it. That <laughs> was like, okay, let's hear the rest of the prayer, honey. Time for bed. Well, Father, what are uh, what is our topic for today? Well, today we are going to be calling collect, but Jesus has accepted <laughs> the charges. And furthermore, has paid it all. And this is a joke only for those 30 and above. <laughs> and perhaps those uh, those refugees from fundamentalist faiths. <laughs> but before we get to calling collect, uh, I thought that we would take a moment and pray the collect for the Feast of the Visitation, which is today and uh, observe a moment of recognition of the Marian feast for today. So the Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Father in heaven, by your grace, the virgin mother of your incarnate son was blessed in bearing him, but still more blessed in keeping your word. Grant us who honor the exaltation of her lowliness to follow the example of her devotion to your will. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So, collects. Not an un totally unfamiliar word for Episcopalians. In fact, Collects and not collects uh, are a big part of our liturgy. And by our liturgy, I mean all of our liturgies. Yeah. Every single possible service, there is a collect. When we were going through the daily office, we talked about the ending collects and how, um, how important they were to wrap up our our, our sort of written prayers before we are opened up to non-liturgical prayer. Um, and then as we think, as we're moving forward, as we set our eyes towards perhaps the next subsection of our, our podcast, we know how important the collect of the day is in setting the tone for the Eucharists that we celebrate. And, and that is for daily Eucharist. When we say collect of the day, that is every single day. So you know there are at least 365 of those yeah. collects. So. so a little bit of, of backstory or history on the word collect. Um, and I, before we started, I was telling Father Joshua, I actually just finished teaching this to my congregation at St. Anne's in De Pere. And so I'm actually fresh with these notes um, as we're going through this. So if it seems like I'm teaching and with authority, it's because I actually have some confidence about what I'm talking about this week. Not for that I first... normally have confidence. But... <laughs> I was going to say for the first time in the history of our podcast, Father Tyler is fully prepared. I'm always prepared, sometimes even fully uh, <laughs> but according to Derek Olson in his book, Inwardly Digest, the exact meaning of the word collect 
is, quote, lost to the mists of liturgical prehistory. Liturgical prehistory, we would have to talk to the dean of the School of Theology, uh, uh, Dr. James, the Reverend Dr. James Terrell, about what the prehistory of liturgy might be, or, or maybe Bishop Alexander. But collects have been around for so long that we don't exactly know where the term came from or, or how we originally used it. Mm-hmm. what Derek Olson said. And Father, you were telling me that some of the collects in our prayer book are how old? Um, have, some of the collects have been used for 1,500 years at least, rooted originally in their Latin forms. Well, we, I, I guess when we start talking about, you know, the our current Book of Common Prayer, we're always looking back to the first Book of Common Prayer. Uh, as as we have received it, the 1549 Book of Common Prayer that was put together in part by Archbishop Thomas Cranmer all the way back at the end of Henry VIII's reign, even though Henry is the one who ordered it. And some of the collects that he put forth in English have been part of the Catholic Church, Little C Catholic Universal Church, for at least that long. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those we can even look at and, and talk about. Um, so when we're talking about collects, that's the noun. But what is the gerund form of that noun? What is a collect doing? What are we, what are we doing with a collect? Well, the interesting, interesting thing about collects, it seems, is that collects are there to collect. But what are we collecting and how are we collecting? Mm. Now, Father, you had you had a theory uh, from one of your sources. And so so my source is is a great source It's called Worship Without Words, the Signs and Symbols of Our Faith. It's basically uh, a church dictionary uh, on Wikipedia. But it, it's by Patricia S. Klein, and uh, in it, uh, it's under the section for the propers of the Mass. But she says, a collect is a brief formal prayer used in Western liturgies and said before the epistle. The collect varies with the day and focuses on single themes, usually tied to the epistle and the gospel appointed to that day. Its name, she says, is derived from the concept that the petitions of the members of the congregation, that's our intercessions and our thanksgiving, are collected into a single prayer by the priest. So the idea there being that going to some of our ecclesiology about what priests do is that we priests... Um, are standing in the midst of the people and offering prayers to God on the behalf of our people. And so in that great moment at the beginning of our uh, Eucharistic liturgy, I am thinking about the introduction of the Collect of the Day on page 357, where the priest bids the people, the Lord be with you, and the people respond, let us pray that is where the collect of the day goes. 
But one of the liturgical mistakes often made by priests, and this is this is me probably getting a little preachy about some of our colleagues, is that as soon as he or she says, let us pray, they launch immediately into the collect of the day. Yeah. Which bring which highlights the question, what have you collected at that point? Yeah. Um, I had a professor in undergrad who often said that music is made within the rests. The music is actually found in the silence on the page. Um, mm. And whenever, here is a warning to all priests, <laughs> like a wartime correspondent, Whenever you say, let us pray, or let us confess, there should always be a pause, a, an opportunity for everyone to enter into that prayer, to offer up their own prayers and petitions, their own confession. Um, I know right now we kind of want to get through things quickly for especially in COVID tide but um yeah don't be afraid of the silence of the mass well and and not just you know it's not just a warning for priests but it's also an encouragement for the laity in that those moments of silence are not just awkward pauses so that our colleagues can find the right page if they didn't mark it ahead of time <laughs> uh as some have been wont to do, as a company not excluded, I'm sure. But it's also that time for you to think about what prayers you have to offer to God this day mm -hmm. and to direct your prayers to God so that when one of your sisters and brothers who have been ordained come forward with the collect of the day, we have something that we are collecting in our prayers that we're offering to God. Derek, Derek Olson, whose name I've already taken in vain once this podcast, but will probably continue to do so throughout, says that there are two other options for what colics do. Uh, he says that the collect can be a prayer that is meant to be prayed once the people have all gathered together. So it's meant to be a prayer that collects the people. If we think about it, the collect for purity sort of fills that role. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. So the people have gathered, we've had our opening salutation, and now the people being collected, we have the collect for purity that signals our intent that we invite God into our hearts through the act of worship, that we may perfectly love him. It's got this corporate sense to it. where, well, And that's actually a, a kind of modern take on it, right? Right. Um, the College for Purity was added into the collective, into the corporate liturgy at a later time. Originally, it comes from a prayer to be said by the priest alone in the sacristy. And there we are. So, um, or not necessarily the priest alone, but those who are have come to uh, minister. So, so there's priests or multiple priests, bishops, uh, deacons, acolytes, 
who take that time um, before even entering into the sanctuary, into the nave, praying this collect for purity uh, so that I may be made clean in order to offer up the prayers of the people. Mm. In order to offer to be be purified, in order that I may enter the holy of holies and offer up this this sacrifice of the people. So we've we've talked about the purpose of the collect. Um, perhaps we should spend some time dissecting one and talk about what we find inside of one. Although that's a little bit scientific. Maybe we should <laughs> diagram a collect. I was going to say, if we're going to dissect them, have they been on formaldehyde for at least a week? <laughs> well, some of them been on formaldehyde for 1,500 years, and they're all very, well. very true. <laughs> so colics generally follow a pretty set form. In the beginning, no, not that beginning, but in the beginning of the collect, we have the invocation. And by that, it's sort of answering the question, who are you talking to? If you're going to pray a collect, it's important for you to know which direction you are directing it. So if we look at this last collect, the collect from Trinity Sunday, and if you're following along at home in your Book of Common Prayer, um, it's on page 228. If you're listening to this in your car, please don't try and open your prayer book while you're driving. We don't recommend that. The first phrase of the Collect for Trinity Sunday is Almighty and Everlasting God. So that's pretty direct. Sometimes you get just a O oh God. Sometimes you get an Almighty God. Sometimes you get Heavenly Father. Sometimes you get Collects that are directed specifically towards the person of Jesus. Um, but most of the time, our, our colleagues are directed towards Almighty God. And the next part of the collect is the relative clause. It's sort of the why are we talking to God about this? So in our example from Trinity Sunday... Almighty and everlasting God, comma, beginning of relative clause, you have given to us your servants grace by the confession of a true faith to acknowledge the glory of the eternal Trinity and in the power of your divine majesty to worship the unity. That's a big relative clause, but from a grammatical perspective, is it, it is one clause. And sometimes it's a lot easier than that to find where it says, Almighty God, who has? Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, the next part of, an, of a collect is the petition. So you know you're talking to God. You know why you're talking to God. Well, what is it that you want God to do for you? Keep us steadfast in this faith and worship. And bring us at last to see you in your one and eternal glory, O Father. Um, actually, I think what I've done there is I have, I have combined the petition and the statement of purpose. Yes. 
So the petition would have been, keep us steadfast in this faith and worship, comma, and the statement of purpose is to bring us at last to see you and your one and eternal glory, O Father. And then, of course, the ending of a collect is the doxology. Who with the Son and the Holy Spirit live and reign, one God, forever and ever. Amen. That's everything you needed to know about the anatomy of a collect, but we're too afraid to ask. <laughs> and there this, will be a quiz later. There will be a quiz later. Uh, check the website for details. <laughs> now, this... I, I find that this form is is pretty well uniform. Mm -hmm. You get some that occasionally go a little bit off the rails. You get some that don't always have every single part of it. Um, there are occasionally pieces of it that get left out. Um, there's an exception to every rule, of course. But by and large... This is the form that most of the colleagues in the prayer book go by. Now, one of the things that, that I learned in, in looking at colleagues, and, and this was something that was kind of, kind of fascinating to me, is when we take the model of the collect and look at the model of prayer that Jesus gives to us. Mm. It's kind of scary how they line up. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. What do you think, Father? I don't know. Like maybe the early church fathers said, how do we pray? Oh, wait, Jesus told us how to pray. And then we just based every prayer on that one. Hmm. You, you, are, are you suggesting that there is a model of prayer that exists within Scripture that, that all Christians should should design their prayers after? If, if that's correct, then that is what I am suggesting. <laughs> <laughs> Fast talker, this one. Yeah. We pray, we, part of our tradition in this church, in the universal church, the Catholic church, is of course the Lord's Prayer. And it's almost, almost uh, a collect in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is, is the the dynamic in it is 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 very interesting because it's not just Almighty and everlasting God. It is not O oh Lord. It is our Father, which moves prayer away from, I think, sort of a sort of a a dynamic with God that is is sometimes a little removed to approaching God in a much more intimate way. Mm -hmm. You know, go ahead. I cut you off. Well, I was going to say, yes, it is intimate, but it is also extremely expansive. If you just take the format, the format of the Lord's prayer um, in each section, you could I'm, I'm thinking of the old overhead projectors when you put the um, overlay on it, but you could overlay that onto the daily office. Say more and about how, that. And how we begin with this exaltation and praise. Um, we lift up the 
the deeds that God has done for us. And it's only later that we kind of get to the petitions. And then we have this Thanksgiving and doxology. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, growing up in a different tradition where it was perfectly acceptable and often encouraged to kind of just jump into ask God for something. Right. Mm-hmm. And the prayer that Christ himself taught us begins with our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It, the focus is all on God, not on me. Right. The focus is on praise of God, not on what I need or what I want. Cause God already knows that. So the fact that that come, comes later and then uh, we do the same thing in, in, in morning prayer and evening prayer, um, that those petitions are restrained. Those petitions are held back until later in the service. It, sh- it shows us what is most important. Absolutely. I think I, I think I quoted this last week, uh, but I will I will never stop plugging Mother Julia Gata or any of the books that she has written, uh, so long as I have breath to plug them. But uh, and this is going to be a long winded plug, uh, so brace yourselves. I think what's amazing to me about the colics is, as we are praying them. And as we are using them as a sort of a doorway, sort of a uh, vestibule, if you will, into a larger subset of prayer. And this becomes part of our rhythm. We know this. It's something that is embedded into the hearts of of the DNA of all Episcopalians everywhere and probably some Catholics that if somebody stands up in a room full of people and yells out, the Lord be with you, they immediately put their coffee cups down on their saucer and turn towards the speaker and say, and also with you. Or if they're being snarky, they say, and with thy spirit. Um, Or if they're being really snarky, they say, and also with thy spirit. Who knows what's going to come out? Or there's also the, these aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Exactly. Um. And then we have the let us pray. It's also my opinion that the Lord be with you should not be used as a clarion call to begin a long speech. Uh, that's a that's a posture of prayer. And if you're just saying, don't forget to take an extra jelly donut home with you, that's not what the salutation <laughs> is for. Exactly. <laughs> but the collect is there not only to induce our prayers, but to inspire them. I, I think that the collect is there, like the Lord's Prayer, to teach us how to pray. And here's finally the plug. Mm-hmm. I said all of that to say this. Uh, Julia Gata in her book, Life in Christ, talks about the need for prayer in public as well as the prayer in solitude. And that if all we have are our liturgical prayers, then our prayers can quickly become stale and feel like they're ineffectual. 
and feel like they're not doing anything. Thoughts about that? Uh, just to say that one, that says to me that it is important to take a step back from what is written from time to time. Uh, again, a plug for silence, which I know Julia Gatta would be all about. Um, so, you know, sometimes we need to step back from it in order to really hear it again. Uh, the same for music, the same for time with family, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder kind of, kind of mm -hmm. thought. Um, but also the idea that we have this structure that is given us, really that is given us from Christ himself, in which we can, one, write our own collect, or, you know, use that structure, use that scaffolding uh, to fit in our own extemporaneous prayers, which is uh, what we often find ourselves doing, uh, particularly in other denominations. We talk about, you know, I don't need my prayers written down, but you're still within that form. Right. Uh, that is still there because Christ gave it to us. And when writing your own collects, uh, we did this as projects in seminary, and there were some funny ones, there were some very serious ones, but it it really makes you think, and 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 kind of um, internalize these different aspects of the collect. Mm. So then as you're just praying those that are written, um, it loses that, that staleness. It loses that rawness because you are only, the only way I can think to say this is poetically, but you are walking barefoot in the soil of the prayer. Well, to not to one up you, but you're removing your sandals because you're standing on holy ground. Oof. Preach it. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that's another point of the collect is, is to remind us to take our shoes off. Mm. Not because in walking on that ground in our shoes, we'll do something to disturb the ground, but because in offering our prayers to God, we are acknowledging that we are not the ones who are in charge. Which is probably jarring for a lot of people when they think about it. Mm -hmm. that we are not the ones who are in charge. And perhaps our own agendas, are we allowed to use that word? Um, our own... Uh, our own priorities, our own biases, our own, our, even our own biases. Yeah. yeah. Our um, own prejudices. Yeah. Get out of the way when we come before God in this way. Mm -hmm. And if that is a model to, to base our lifelong prayers after, I have to say it's not a bad model. Nope. Um, 
so we had mentioned um, earlier in today's episode about how our collects that we have been praying for a long time, or how that rather there have been some collects that we have been praying for a very long time. Um, and uh, just something to think about. One of the collects that comes to us from a long, long time ago uh, is one of the collects that features in the 1549 Book of Common Prayer, which Thomas Cranmer probably translated and probably got from another one of the rites that was being used in England at the time that he was writing the first Book of Common Prayer. See if this rings a bell for anyone. Almighty God, give us grace that we may cast away the works of darkness and put upon us the armor of light now in the time of this mortal life in which thy son Jesus Christ came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the quick and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal through him who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, now and forever. Amen. And no, that's not from the 28th book. That's from the 1549 book. Uh, which, of course, as we know, is the collect for the first Sunday of Advent in its language uh, that was being used in 1549. Of course, we modernized it uh, as time has gone on, but the contents have remained the same. Mm. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light, now in the time of this mortal life in which your Son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal. Through him who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> I Now, and, when you try to read it in the 1549 language, there are all these strange vowels and all these weird spellings that you have to get past. Yes. Uh, Almighty, Almighty God, give us grace. That we may cast away ye the workies of darkness. <laughs> More tall, like leaf, leaf, L Y F E, and which ye thy sonny Jesus Christy came to visit ye and us. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to ask you now to stop because uh, our friend Father Tim is going to haunt you for that. Well, you know what? What a difference a vowel makes. But in any case, this <laughs> is just one of the many examples of the colics that have been around the church for centuries. One and, of the things, go ahead, I'm sorry. And that, and that is one of the things that, it, that has always drawn me to liturgical worship is that I, in 2021, on the 30th day of May, can pray these prayers and find myself in a space that connects me to somebody in 500 in their own space of worship, 
praying these prayers and making these motions and offering up their own petitions to God. And it's unbroken. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's true what they say that there is, there is nothing new under the sun and things as they were then are much the same as they are now. Um, uh, in fact, uh, thinking of our lives not being as linear, but being as cyclical, just like the church here is cyclical, mm -hmm. it kind of makes sense that these things keep coming around. Yeah, we are, in them, we are always connected to the past. We are always connected to the future and at the same time connected to God above. So with, there's that cross. So with that, looking at all of the colics that we have, both contemporary and traditional, one of the strange things that happens with our colics after the first Sunday of Pentecost, which is also called Trinity Sunday, and Father Joshua, I'm hoping you have the answer to this question, <laughs> is suddenly it becomes harder to figure out which collect goes with which Sunday. Suddenly our collects go from being, say, the second Sunday of Easter or the third Sunday um, in Lent or the second Sunday in Christmas to all of these propers. Can you, can you speak with, can you properly speak about the propers? The variable parts of the service, which change according to the day of the church year before Vatican II, the propers included the introit collect, epistle, gradual, and gospel. Today, the propers include entrance antiphon, the opening prayer or collect, the chant after the first reading, the preface, and the prayer over the gifts, the communion antiphon, and the prayer after communion. The propers may be found in the Missal or the Book of Common Prayer, or in the service booklet. There's the proper definition. Um, but also looking at this propers, we have to remember that this season after Pentecost goes by another name. And that is ordinary time. Not that there is anything ordinary about it. Um, but the season after Pentecost, as well as the season after the Epiphany before uh, Ash Wednesday, is a season of ordinary time. So if you look back in, um, in February, January, February after Christmas, you will also see these marks of proper one, proper two, proper three. Um, and because these seasons are not as set as, say, Easter or Christmas, which has, are a certain number of days long. So there can be more or less Sundays in a given one. So that allows the proper to um, be fluid and to move throughout the church year. So in essence, the prayer book flexes along with our liturgical time. Yes. Because nothing there... While there are a lot of fixed feasts in the church, um, a lot of our feasts are also movable feasts because 
so many of so many of the things are are just i mean they're based if if we look at easter being the dating of which is somewhat complicated and deals with astrological events uh it makes sense that the church here moves around and so our liturgy has to be able to flex with uh with the world that we live in um one of my favorite authors, and I know you enjoy him too, Father Tyler, is, is Ernest Hemingway. Mm. And he has one of my favorite um, selection of stories of his is, is called The Movable Feast. Mm-hmm. And it's about how life is not a series, in, in all honesty, life is not a series of these fixed moments. But life is a series of movable feasts. And we live better when we are able to bend and move and sway in the winds of time and change like that. Um, So the liturgy in this sense is just emulating or imitating life. Well, and while I cannot speak for the entirety of the Hemingway family, and I would never, I would never deign to do so. I can at least say with a fair amount of authority that Hemingway had at least a tenuous connection to the Episcopal Church in his life. Yes. <laughs> and that is not apocryphal. That is not rumor. Uh, that is that is true. Um, the place that I served before um, Indian River, Michigan, was very close to uh, one of Ernest Hemingway's old stomping grounds. Uh, actually not far at all from one of Ernest Hemingway's old stomping grounds. And Ernest Hemingway's sister attended an Episcopal church in that area. Uh, And I know priests who knew her. So uh, Mr. Hemingway knew something about movable feasts. And Mm -hmm. I expect he had more than a cursory knowledge of liturgy. as well as a cursory knowledge of a great many other things, which we shall not discuss in this podcast. podcast. (laughs) That is a podcast for another day. Yes. (laughs) Father, is there anything else we need to talk about in terms of colics for the good people of the world out there? No. um, Is there a good closing collect for us today? I actually have one to share with the good people of the world. Uh, and this gives me a chance to do something that I love to do, uh, which is to brag on my people. As I said, I recently just taught my uh, congregation about colics, their form, their function in the liturgy. And at the end of our time together, we wrote a collect for um, healing in times of pandemic. So with your indulgence, Father, I will share this with our podcast universe. Please do. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. O triune God, the source of all life and health, drive far from the face of the earth all pestilence and plague, so that we, being delivered, may sing your praises unceasingly, and without hindrance, and that we may see Christ more easily in the faces of one another. Through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns now and forever. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the BCP and me. Uh, next time we get together, we will have some discussion about uh, proper liturgies for proper days. Uh, and that will be a uh, an involved conversation in and of itself. In fact, that may turn into a multi-part uh, conversation. We'll see how see what time allows for. Father Joshua, anything else for the good of the order? I uh, offer a motion that we close. <laughs> then the peace of the Lord be always with you. And also with you. Mm-hmm.